Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is episode 95 for Tuesday, January 17th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his super-secret location here in the Fragrant Harbor, getting ready for Chinese New Year, is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello, Paul. How are you today? All right. Feeling a bit festive. We're about to go on holiday in about a week, right? We've yeah, I was a... surprised you didn't go with the Chinese New Year theme. Yeah, that's. I think that'll be for the next show because we're not quite there yet. We're we're sort of on the cusp of Chinese New Year. Um, I guess does it officially sort of movie wise kick off tomorrow? Is that what we're saying, or did it kick off last week with the film we're going to be talking about? It kind of kicked off last week. Um, yeah. I guess they moved it early to you know get a get a get a jump on the box office. But yeah, it officially starts tomorrow with the viral factor, and then Thursday night it's um, it's going to be I Love Hong Kong twenty twelve. Um, and then Friday night, it's also ends well. And then, uh, Saturday it's, um, oh, also I think 19,000 flowers of war, which, you know, I guess the Nanjing massacre is how you, how we celebrate Chinese new year here in Hong Kong. Um, and then Saturday you have the kids stuff, you know, like Puss in Boots and, um, yeah. And cartoons and, you know, lots of, lots of good movies coming out. Mm, yeah. And between now and then in the interim, I am uh, going to be a very poor person as I'm Hastily with my wife stuffing packets of red money to be giving out to all you unmarried people. Woohoo! Um, so yeah, uh, we're a- avidly preparing for the Chinese New Year holiday. Uh, I'll be looking forward to a few days off, although I'll still be super busy um, with some of the sort of non-work stuff that I have to get done between now and then. But the time before the holiday is just maddening because even though it's a holiday, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys are like this at, at your work, but... It's like because we've got those days off, we've got so much stuff that we have to get done ahead of time. So it's not really like having time off. It's just like your workload the, the few days before stacks up instead. I mean, do you guys have a similar experience in your industry? Um, with December and January are very tough because um, December is the end of the year. So we have to get a lot of editorial. We have to get, you know, end of the year things. And January also some, you know, of course, New Year projects. Um and also because it's the week before the new year, a lot of video releases are coming out, uh, especially in Hong Kong, which I'll, we talk about later. That means that's a lot more work for us, you know, people who write descriptions to, to sell these works. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite busy, though not exactly because we have to, you know, get things done before the holiday. Mm. Yeah. And, and as you just mentioned, there are a lot of new releases coming out this week. And we'll be talking about some of those in our video pick segment a little bit later. Um, but we do have one film to talk about this week. What is that film? That would be uh, Derek E's The Great Magician. All right. And all of that, uh, we don't have a West Screen film, unfortunately. I do have to apologize. I was supposed to try and get out to watch um, the sci-fi film The Darkest Hour. And I had only one window of opportunity to do that today. And unfortunately, I had a meeting come up in that window of opportunity sort of 
quickly vanished. Um, I'm not feeling too bad about it because I didn't really realize that it was only showing in 3D. Um, and I didn't have my 3D glasses with me anyway, which meant I would have to buy another pair. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We will try and uh, cover all of the sort of films being released for the Chinese New Year, though, including things like Puss in Boots, um, over the next couple weeks, because there's a lot of stuff coming out. Um, I think we'll be looking at a couple of the new Chinese New Year films next time, but we won't be, I don't think we'll do all of them, because it'd be just too many, it'd be a huge show. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm gonna, we're going to split those up uh, over the next couple weeks. Um, speaking of 3D glasses, Paul, have you noticed the uh, the new um, Star Wars uh, 3D glasses that are out in cinemas now here? No. The one, yeah, they, they have the the goggles from um, Episode One, the ones the ones that um, Luke, I mean uh, Anakin wore for, on on his and the pot race. Ooh. And those are those are yeah those are new 3D glasses. They're they're promotions for uh, for the Star Wars 3D. Oh really? But, yes. But I haven't seen any of that. Um, I haven't seen any advertisements for the film. Where have you seen this? Um, I, I get advertisements for the film, but the the glasses they they got the display on at at the entrance. Uh, at least last week when we went to the movies, there was a, a display, a small display where at the entrance. Of the was cinema. this when we were watching The Great Magician? Yes, yes. Oh, I totally missed it. Yeah. Where, where was I? <laughs> um, are they selling those now? Yeah, yeah, they are. But it's for forty dollars for the glasses. Yes, and are, honestly, I'm not that big into into Episode One. I don't think in enough to want to get a pair. Are of they them. are they heavy duty? Or are they just cheap plastic? I don't know. I haven't actually seen the actual prototypes, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, the, it's supposed to look like the goggle that Anakin wore in in the pot race. Yeah. Does it you have wanna... a blind shield that comes down so I can practice with my lightsaber? Is, if there's one that can actually delete Jar Jar Binks from the movie, I'm totally buying one. <laughs> <laughs> or change all of the recent edits that George Lucas put into the uh, Blu-rays, right? Yes, and I would just put that on and watch watch my uh, Star Wars Blu-ray, and then Han no longer shoots first. Money, I mean, money well first. spent. Let me tell you, that would be money well spent. You would make billions if you could do that with all the uh, fans out there who are disgruntled at the moment. Han shot first. Yeah. All right, um, so we're going to be talking about all of that and a little bit more right after a little bit of news. All right, we do have um, not a whole lot of news to get to. We have some uh, one news story about the Asian Film Award nominations. But before I get to that, let me show, let me say a quick shout out to the chat room. We've got a couple of people in there, a couple of uh, regulars that we like to talk with. Um, Kenneth from uh, uh, the podcast on Fire Network and all the stuff he's doing. Matthew Seidel's in the chat room. Um, hopefully, we'll have a couple other people stop by as well. Um, just again, quick hi to guys. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll be hopefully talking with you. Uh, there's a couple questions already. Kind of has 3D re-releases doing well in Hong Kong, like The Lion King. Um, I didn't go out to see it. I, I, re-releases that are just being re-released because they're in 3D, especially films that don't, that aren't weren't originally meant in 3D, doesn't really appeal to me. I don't know. What about you, Kevin? I mean, I'm, yeah, a, I I'm, a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But I don't think I'm going to pay to go out and see 3D Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, sorry. I mean, I've, post-convert 3Ds, we've seen too many of those, and I paid for too many of those. And yeah. And they're always limited releases here anyway, including like The Lion King and mostly Disney stuff. So it's not worth really for me to make the trek out to the, yeah. the several cinemas. I mean, I've got... Uh, I, I don't have the Blu-rays, but I've got the entire set um, on DVD, and I've watched them with the wife before I could easily pop them in and watch them and be comfortable at home without the 3d price. Exactly. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know um, how particularly well it's doing. Have you seen any box office figures for things like The Lion King? Um, no, because they're they're so small that they don't really um, they're ble- they don't really blip on the radar. You know, yeah. I mean, they don't yeah. really make a big impact. Um, they mostly do well, I guess, in limited releases, especially on the weekends, um, because they're so on on so few screens. Um, otherwise, there hasn't been any wide. There won't be any wide releases of, of um, re-releases until I think Star Wars. I think mm-hmm. they Fox is going for a big a bigger release for that one. Well, we'll have to wait and see uh, how that does. It'll be interesting to uh, to see if that flops or not. Yeah, and also I, Titanic is coming. I wonder. I mean, I mean, I wonder what kind of numbers they're looking at with a a 3D re-release to determine whether it's, you know, successful or not. I wonder, but I think it seems like Lucas is determined to do the one one film a year thing, I guess, no matter how much. Oh, so they're not coming all together? No, no, they're doing one a year. Oh, that's... (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess because it takes so long to do it. I'm not sure how much money they spend to do these movies, Hmm. I wonder. Man, the chat um, chat room says my nephew is geeked for 3D Star Wars, so I'll have to go. Well, we'll be with you in spirit. Well, actually, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you're on your own there, buddy. So sorry. Yeah, Kenneth says doubt they'll do any more Phantom Menace flops. I don't know. Lucas is kind of a a stubborn bastard. Yeah. Um, you know, he might he might start. Uh, I mean, what would he do to get people in giving away you know like uh, replica lightsabers or something with every ticket? The thing is, these these probably don't cost so little that that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be too big of a, it wouldn't leave too big of a dent if they keep doing it every year. Yeah. So I think yeah. they would just keep doing it. Did you go in the '90s when he did the the remastered visual effects? Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I would I did the um, sneaking in theaters thing. So one afternoon I watched like two or three of those <laughs> when they all came on at the same time. Yeah, it was it was great. Those were good times. Oh, well, you know, maybe it's maybe it's the same kind of an idea. Maybe there are young kids today who are thinking that it's, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be something they'll try and sneak into. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, you've got some news for us. Asian Film Awards. Yes, yes, yes. The um, Asian Film Awards nominations, they're out this year. And a um, couple of, you know, uh, picks that everyone could see coming. You know, Flowers of War. Uh, let me... Sorry, let me get the uh, Fimbus Asia story. Actually, has the line as the roundup of you know how many um, awards each film got. So um, Trey Hark's uh, Flying Sword to Dragon Gate um, actually leads the nominations with seven, including um, Best Picture, um, Best Director, of course, Trey Hark, um, Alois Chan for Best Actor. He plays two roles, so I guess he gets the most screen time, so therefore he's Best Actor. Does he dub both of them? Yes, in Mandarin. Yes, he did. Uh, the Mandarin version he did. Uh, best. Guido I mean, did he Gu- do the Cantonese version? No, he did not. Yeah. No, just the Mandarin version, sadly. Um, uh, best supporting actress, uh, Gui Lun Mei. Um, I'm sure Kozo is happy about that. Uh, he is the one who who came up with the name Gui. Um, let's see. Best um, special effects, which is kind of strange because the CGI was so bad. Um, but anyway, second second in that's right in front of um, Flowers Award, the Zhang Yimou film. Uh, six nominations. Um, Sidik Bali, Warriors of the Rainbow, uh, also six six nominations. So, um, is Christian Bale nominated for anything in that? No, which is um, strange. I guess uh, I, we were. Ho- I guess I was kind of hoping that he would be nominated, but he, his nom- his performance is strange, and he 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 is he definitely doesn't have the best performance in the film. So I don't I don't blame them. Um, instead, you have Alloys, you have um, 
Donnie Damara from an Indonesian film called Lovely Man, Andy Lau from A Simple Life. In fact, both nominations for A Simple Life uh, for the acting awards, uh, Andy Lau and Dini Yip. Uh, Pak Hae Il for um, War of the Arrows, the, the action, the big action hit from Korea. And Yakusho Koji for Chronicle of My Mother, which actually hasn't opened in Japan yet. Um, I guess also expected uh, the Iranian film, A Separation, which is a great, great film. I saw this at the Hong Kong Asian International Film Festival last year, and it's leading the way. It will very likely win the best uh, best foreign film at the Oscars this year. Uh, also has um, it's also leading the way. I think six or seven nominations, uh, including best picture, best director, and all that. Um, very some strange picks, um, including um, let's see, best screenplay for Over Her Two. Um, also, uh, oh, what else? Why, yeah. why am I not seeing uh, Johnny Toe's movie in here? Yeah, Life of Principle, right? Yeah, I would think so. I I'm not sure. You know, I, I I don't remember if Asian Film Awards has a history of ignoring or nominating Johnny Toe films, but I guess the the jury just didn't dig it that much. I guess they liked Flowers of War more or Overheard Two more. Personally, I would have given Life of Principle best screenplay. Um, yeah, better than Overheard Two. I mean, Overheard oh, yeah. Two was okay, but. I liked uh, Life Without Principle a whole lot more. And, yeah, and perhaps uh, a Ra One nominated for Best Visual Effects. Oh, really? Oh, that's excellent. Yes. Very cool. Which yeah. I guess you know, if you're going to nominate for anything, it's it would be for Best Visual Effects because it yeah. is quite groundbreaking for for Asian production. Um, or or very... simply Best Man Ever, right? Oh, please, yes, Shaka <laughs> Khan. It would be awesome if Shaka Khan was nominated. But a very strange, uh, another very strange choice: White White Vengeance has two nominations. Yeah, I see. Uh, is, uh, one is Best Editing, is that right? Yes, Best Editing, and uh, what's the last one here? Uh, costume Design. Did you see that? No, I haven't. Yeah, because that was on right before we took our break um, for the Christmas holiday. wasn't as bad as I expected. It was actually fairly okay. Really? Um, and I'm looking forward to getting the DVD so I can watch it again. Yeah, because I, I usually have no love for Daniel Lee movies. So I, yeah. I kind of I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of uh you know Leon. But uh this was okay. Ah, okay. So I guess I have to uh look forward to that. Um well I guess kinda happy. Uh Wusha. Wusha got four four nominations, although it's uh mostly um mostly technical awards. No, Donnie did not get nominated for did not get an acting nomination, uh sadly. Nor did uh Takeshi Kaneshiro for his um eccentric performance. Um but Shio Sono got nominated for Best Director for Guilty of Romance, which is quite interesting choice because um, Himizu might have been the more obvious choice because, you know, it's shot in post-earthquake, um, the, the, the disaster area after the earthquake. Um, it, it played at, you know, bigger festivals. And, you know, I, I think it's a better film than Guilty of Romance. At least it's more um, potent or more effective emotionally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see um, Japan's in your most in your face director, you know, get 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 uh, acknowledgement from the Asian Film Awards. Uh, still, I'm a little disappointed that the 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 the, the picks are kind of conservative, mo- mostly uh, gearing towards you know commercial or you know kind of expected prestige stuff like Flowers of War. I didn't think really deserve all the accolades, uh, nor did Flying Swords of Dragon Gate, which I mean I like the film, but I don't think you know it's best film material. Um, but we'll know what happens. Uh, personally, I think Separation is going to sweep the awards, whatever they major awards and pick up, because it is really a good film. Um, but we'll find out. Uh, in so is there a is uh, where's where am I looking for the raw one best visual effects, right? Yes. Um, so it's got best visual effects, raw one, Gans, Flying Swords, Starry Starry Night, and Wu Sha. How come no Sector Seven? 
<laughs> You're kidding, right? <laughs> Actually, but the thing is, if Flying Sword of Dragon Gate could get a best visual effects, I don't see why Sector Seven wasn't 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 considered. Really? It was, it, it, Personally, did you think? Uh, and we're we're discussing this at work this afternoon. Did you think a perfect answer had more special effects than the first film? Or did you know? I was wondering why they did Gantz one and not Gantz two, since you know both are pretty special effects heavy. Actually, I, I it seems to me that the first one was more effects heavy than the second one. Second Part because one, of the second monsters, one was right? Boring. I mean, <laughs> I mean, because the second one was just all people. You know, yeah, yeah, um, that's true. It, it is more, more um, action-wise, not less monster action. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Okay, um, so well, we'll know. We'll know. Um, Mid March, uh, who wins? Uh, sadly, none. No one we know is writing the script this year, so there's no back background story or, or you know any dirty gossip. Uh, we just have to remain spectators this year. Hmm. All right. Well, we will keep you all posted with these awards and other awards as they come forward. For now. Let's move on to talk about some film. Uh, Just jumping back really quick to our Star Wars discussion, Kenneth in the chat room says he didn't like the huge CG creatures added to the 70s and uh, 80s movies, though, when they did the uh, sort of the remastered effects versions of Star Wars. He said they stand out way too much. I've heard Lucas did the same thing for The Phantom Menace on the Blu-ray. I've heard that, because originally Yoda was a puppet in that one, mm-hmm. and I was listening to another podcast, and uh, the guy said he had just watched episode one, and he said they he felt they did a really good job of replacing the puppet Yoda with a CG Yoda that feels more in line with uh, what they did with um, you know episode two and episode three. Um, I don't know, maybe for us who grew up, and you know, I'm young, but I still grew up with, you know, Puppet Yoda for, you know, episode yeah. four and six. Like, that's what we're used to. So, yeah, especially episode two, I kind of freaked out when they did all that Yoda yeah. action. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that you'll probably either um, love it or you'll feel nostalgic for the original trilogy, I guess, you know, depending on your generation. Um, but yeah, the puppet Yoda in the first one was really bad. Hmm. Uh, when you when you look at, uh, especially by the third one, when he's like flying around and screaming like a monkey, you know, uh, doing all the lightsaber stuff. Um, all right, but we're not here to talk about Star Wars. We're here to talk about stars, and we're here to talk about stars in the latest Hong Kong film, The Great Magician. Uh, this is coming from director Derek Yi. Uh, Kevin, can you give us a synopsis of The Great Magician? Oh dear. I mean, yeah, the film is so loaded with plot that, you know, okay, I'll just give a basic idea. Um, the film, it, it's based on a novel um, about, you know, magicians. Uh, it takes place in the 1920s, I think the same period as uh, Picking Up the Blues and, you know, Let the Birds Fly. I think this is the end, just the end of the Qing Dynasty um, in the 1920s when the warlords ruled the country. Um, the film stars um, Lao Cheng Wan uh, as Bully Lei, one of these um, warlords who are kind of who are kind of oppressing the people and and um, essentially taking whatever he sees in his sight. Now, I have um, a question too because if you look at the trailer or if you see some of the promotional material, like the Hong Kong poster, there there. Um, the Asian Media Wiki has two posters for the film. It's got mm. the Hong Kong one, and it's got, I guess, which an international one, which is all in English. Mm. The international one actually looks kind of cool. It's got uh, Tony Lung 
sort of surrounded by this mist, this dragon made out of mist. Yeah, that's um, a teaser poster, yeah. But the uh, the Hong Kong one just is a kind of a basic three shot of, of the main leads. And Lao Ching Wan is playing this sort of typical warlord look that I'm, I'm guessing is is just derived from um, the uh, Michael Hoy film, right? Of the same name where he's got the mustache and he's bald and wearing sort of the Western military gear. I mean, that's that's a very typical look for this character, even though it's never really the same character, right? I think so. I, I read, he mentioned that character actually in a Hong Kong film magazine interview, but I wasn't, I'm not, I don't, I don't recall whether he says he was channeling Michael Hay or intentionally or intentionally not actually trying to not channel Michael Hay. But you're right. I mean, um, Lao Cheng Wan does have that, um, uh, Michael Hay vibe, you know, when he does comedy and he certainly has a little bit of that here, um, as, as, as the character. Um, so I don't know cause I'm not familiar with that history myself i never saw that film well yeah it's not just that film there's i mean it seems like that film established this character and i don't know if it was really if he was basing it on um a real warlord or it's sort of semi-based on a couple warlords but since michael hoy did it in i want to say that movie was in the mid-70s um there there have been other movies that have sort of copied that look for the warlord character, sort of the bald with the big sort of handlebar mustache and the European, um, you know, the European military dress. The thing is, if you ask me, I wouldn't be surprised that if if the look is derived from the Michael Hay movies because um, the film itself uses magic as kind of like a symbol for, for cinema. And it's very meta. It's a lot about stuff about cinema. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Louching ones uh, look. Yeah, it was it was a bit too self referential. But I'll talk yes. about that when I when I get to it. Let me f- let you finish your synopsis and stop interrupting you. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the the, the 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 film is based on a novel, a much more serious novel, actually about um, same basic stuff about a, a warlord, um, a magician named Chen Shen who comes into town and dazzles the town, but actually is trying to. Um, get back his, his, his old girlfriend, uh, Liu Yan, played by Zhou Xun. But here, Derek Yi hands to, handles the material a little differently. Um, he turns it into comedy. So you have, of course, your evil your evil Japanese people who are actually um, impersonating a film crew uh, and but secretly actually selling weapons to the warlord uh, in order to, you know, continue his, 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 um, his rule of the town. Uh, then who else is... There's a lot of um, cameos uh, by Daniel Wu, Alex Fong... Uh, Lam Suede. But anyway, the, the basic story is about essentially this magician played by Tony Leung coming into town and he, he builds this um, magician magic hall and he dazzles the town and actually actually is part of his plan to not only get his girlfriend back, but um, part of some kind of nationalist plan to, you know, uh, stop evil, mainly Japanese people. But that's about our reveal because a lot of the film is about double crosses and hidden identities and you know who isn't really whom and actually that person doesn't really hate that person things like that but um anyway the film is Derek Yi's um attempt to continue amuse China he he has vocally spoken out uh, very much that he is forced to essentially make a living um to continue making a living in China because that's where the money is and that there's no money in making pure Hong Kong films so this film is 
made for China. There's no doubt. Uh, the humor, the ver- is a lot of verbal humor and a lot of um, smart ass humor, so to speak. Um, and that, I guess, amused the Chinese audience more than amused us. Um, so yes, I know that it's supposed to be a comedy. Uh, a lot of things are are treated or are portrayed broadly. Uh, people act, you know, really over the top, and the film gets progressively more silly as it get goes along the way. But I think that Derek D doesn't quite know how to do this kind of farce, um, especially some some stuff with you know fantasy and double crosses and things like that. I think Troy Hark, this kind of stuff that Troy Hark would do in his sleep in the 90s. Uh, like I was saying, picking up a blues. I mean, that's the closest thing I can compare to. Um, I think Trey Hart, who actually has a cameo in the film, would have would have really pulled off this material uh, and made something really special out of it. Um, it's not a matter of incompetence on the part of Derek Gee, because Derek Gee is a fine director. He's proven again and again that he's a fine director. But I think he's working in the wrong genre. Uh, after all, he was offered the project by Bona. The Bona handed him the novel, and and he 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 took on the job. So. He was just working in the wrong genre. Um, in fact, I think because Derek Gee's pacing, he's not used to really quick pacing. He is used to more drama, uh, more slower, more, more. Um, I wouldn't say, I guess he's just telling story a little slower, a little more clear. So the pacing is very loose here, um, a little slow, in fact. Um, but it's very strange because this guy has shown that he has a handle on how to pace a film. I mean, there's a guy who gave us that raid sequence in uh, One Night in Hong Kong, which is really one of the best scenes I've seen in Hong Kong cinema in the last 10 years, maybe. I'm not sure how long ago One Night in Hong Kong was. I think 10 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, that's... So So I think it's just working in the wrong genre. Um, after Derek Yee said that he's not that interested in the magic in the movie, um, which is, I guess, why he used a lot of CG, which is kind of... Um, I don't think it fits the film because the whole film is about using magic to 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 dazzle the audience and in fact it is it does kind of is a meta thing it's about actually magic is about cinema and you know it stands for filmmaking so i guess you know that kind of tells you what kind of the heavy use of cg kind of tells you you guess what what Derek e thinks about filmmaking i don't know um i'm sure some will be amused apparently the 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 feedback is very good in china people laughing from beginning to end but i don't know why i wasn't that amused Personally, I didn't find the movie that funny. Uh, the com- I didn't find a comedy that good. I chuckled a few times, but I didn't really think it was all that funny. Um, however, Tony Leung and Lao Cheng Wan, they're both working on top of the games. Um, Tony Leung's his first film since um, since he took the three years to shoot Wong Kar Wai's The Grandmasters. Uh, he shot this movie actually while they were on break, which is how long Wong Kar Wai is taking on this movie. Uh, and this is the first time we've heard him speak Cantonese since Confessions of Pain. So it's been a long time since we heard him speak Cantonese. Even if he's just dubbing himself here, he actually spoke Mandarin on set. Uh, he was he pulled pulled out his you know star charisma, especially since he's playing a magician. So he has to have a lot of physical charisma. He's a very you know he, he kind of shows that he's a very good performer. Um, and it was great seeing him and Lao Cheng Wan, of course, um, great comic actor. Um, and we did to get it on screen. Especially in the second half of the film, when the film geared towards more comedy, um, it's great watching them together. Uh, they haven't been the same in, in the film together since uh, the longest night. I think that was in 1996 or 97. So it's great seeing these two stars together. However, um, they they just couldn't overcome the material. Um, I think they were more amused by the material than we were. I'm not sure, and, but they couldn't quite express at how funny is supposed to be i'm not sure um 
And the third third star of the of the, of the film is Jo Shun, but you know, um, I guess with these kind of films, the the female characters are always kind of the the vase, the vase, the flower vase, so to speak. Uh, I'm not sure if she was bored or she's supposed to be stoic, but uh, her character is not that fun to watch. And even though she is kind of the MacGuffin of the film, she is the the object of the two stars' affections. Um, I didn't think she was all that special. Um, personally, I'm a little disappointed at what came out of it. Um, I wish that yeah, it's, it's nice to see Derek Geek, you know, going beyond his usual genre and make something that's you know fun for the holidays. But I'm not sure if Derek Gee is just capable of making a fun movie. <laughs> I I don't know what happened here. Um, you know, of course, I I guess it's worth watching. Uh, my rating is TV it just for the star factor because well, one you haven't seen the two stars together for so long, and make sure you watch the Cantonese version because you hear you actually hear Tony Leung and Lao Cheng Wen's voices. Um, and it's good to hear them speak Cantonese. And um, if for just for those those factors, I, I guess it's a movie worth watching. But otherwise, personally, I was a little disappointed. I don't know about you, Paul. What, what do you think about The Great Magician? I was a lot disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not sure what this was supposed to be. Uh, the, the trailer kind of makes it look like this thing about drama and intrigue. And you, you the... the the beginning of the film, I want to say at least the first third of the film sets it up to be that. I mean, and I, I think I said to you at one point, um, you know, as we were watching, we get like 45 minutes in and and there's no Tony Lung. I was like, wasn't Tony Lung oh, supposed to be in this movie? Only 24 minutes. I, I 24 minutes. Watching, so 24 it's minutes. It's like half an hour, though, before he shows up because yeah. it's setting up all this other stuff that kind of turns out to be not all that relevant later on you know i mean there, there's um you have uh alex fong um the older alex fong not the one who always acts with steffi um he's sort of like this uh rival um uh, inn owner and, and pub owner who's um competing with uh he wants to buy out lamb shit and they, they, they set up sort of all this backstory that never really goes anywhere it's never really that integral to to the story um but it get, it has this vibe of all right it's going to be kind of serious and there's going to be intrigue and, and these kinds of things going on and then slowly it starts to descend into comic buffoonery in some ways that's almost the the feeling i got was almost very much like a chinese new year film mm-hmm. uh, by the end um and, and the best way that i can I can highlight that without giving out many spoilers. Um, there's a couple scenes where uh, there are, uh, of course, there are different groups vying for power. You've got the general, um, you've got Tony Lung, and he's sort of allied with uh, a group of resistance guys. And then you've got uh, a group of Japanese who are there, so seeming to support the general, but they've got an ulterior motive too. Um, and as these groups come come to odds, like at one point, a guy gets a soldier gets killed by having like 50 ninja stars hucked in him, right? But then at another point, a guy gets blown up by a cannon only to appear later, like you know, the, the coyote from uh, you know, the Roadrunner cartoons. You know, he's yeah, all like hair black all, yeah. and smoking, so it doesn't really seem to know. It seemed like they started out with one idea and then maybe they thought, oh, it's not working. Let's go in this direction. Um, so I had a hard time kind of pinning down 
where they wanted me to be. There are a couple of scenes between the leads that are coming across as really dramatic, but then later it's like they're 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 being a little more a little bit more slapstick with each other. So I just I had a hard time caring about any of the leads. I guess if I cared about any of them, I, I kind of got a little bit interested in uh, in Lao Ching Wan's character of uh, Bully Lei, and because he seemed to be going, you know, he seemed to have some interesting stuff happening with his character. Tony Lung was just being Tony Lung. I mean, he wasn't all that interesting. He was just mugging for the camera, or as the the current lingo is, chalking, you know, <laughs> for for the camera. Um, in ways that he's always done. I mean, he, he a couple times he sort of gives that look that he gives in, um, you know, Chinese Odyssey, what was it, 2002, right, where he just kind of looks at the camera and he's got that little squint um, and, you know, just, just trying to play off of his charisma and, and his handsomeness to some extent. But yeah, his but character... You, you forgive him for it. He's totally learned. I, you know, I could, could forgive him in 2002... Now I'm because we don't see him that often, and I'm expecting a little bit more. Um, so I was, yeah, I was, I was really kind of just disappointed in that it wasn't giving me what I expected. The big disappointment, though, was the use of CG instead of magic. You're you're talking, you're calling your film the Great Magician. I'm expecting to see great magic. Um, if you want to say the magic is an allegory for film, don't call your film the Great Magician. Call it the Great Filmmaker. Right, because uh, you're you're setting up an international audience with different expectations. I mean, you're setting up, you're talking to an international audience. When you talk about great magicians, you're talking about people like David Copperfield, or Penn and Teller, you know, or people who do some amazing amazing stuff on stage. And I was hoping to see that. I was hoping that they would have done some research and actually brought in some interesting magic, and maybe that Tony would actually have learned a little bit of magic himself, or they would have had a stand in doing some stuff. I mean, at least Magic to Win got a real magician, hmm. right? Um, they also got a consultant here, yeah, for Magic, but you're right, the, the tricks just got so over the top that it had to be, you know, it the was, it was Yeah, it, it, became, it became fantasy magic. I mean, if yeah. they would have used the CG in a way that sort of helped them pull off real illusions, because, you know, obviously Tony Lung is not a magician, that would have been okay. But because they sort of went more in the fantasy direction, I just it it really lost my interest. It wasn't really what I was hoping to see um, out of the character. And you know, there there is a lot of referential film jokes. I mean, there are a couple times when you know the Japanese guys are one of them's the director, and they're making a film. And they keep making some very direct things like, "Oh, it's so difficult to be a filmmaker," or "Filmmaker, you know, filmmakers are so." unappreciated or, or you know little quips like this and it's like all right we get it okay or the thing about director expendables that i shoot in the head yeah um that being said i'm, I'm being kind of critical there are a couple of nice moments but most of these are with you know lao hamming it up and and tony lung doing what he does so shun is kind of wasted um she just doesn't really she, she just really doesn't do anything here she simply plays this like you said she's like a vase and she doesn't really draw any real defining interest between this, you know, this triangle of, of characters. Um, there, there are moments of drama, there are moments of comedy, but for me, those two don't really seem to gel all that nicely together. And the real question is, where's Raymond Wong when you need him? 
right? I had more fun at Magic to Win, honestly. Oh, um, why? Oh, you. I, I, I just did. I mean, you know, drunk Louis Koo and, uh, and uh, you know, Raymond Wong pretending to be a, a grandfatherly Harry Potter. I mean, it was a terrible movie, but at least it was kind of, you know, it knew what it was trying to do. It knew it was simply copying the old Happy Ghost formula. This, it just didn't know what it was doing. Um, and I think that that's what made it sort of miss the boat for me. Again, I'd say I'd agree with you, TV it for the star factor. Um, but, you know, just be prepared to not feel like you know where things are going for quite a while. All right. Kenneth says, two magic movies. Officially trending then again. What was the boss box office for Magic to win? Not very good, but very I good. think magic magic is becoming this this TV thing. It's very popular on television. Yeah, so they had they had a um the 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 part time DJ part time actor uh, Sammy um did uh he had a, a TV a Saturday it was on Saturday nights it was kind of like um, American Idol, but it was with magicians and I can't remember what it was called, um but basically they had these magicians come in and perform their best tricks and there was a panel of like famous magicians most of them were asian magicians uh that would judge them it's sort of like you know asia's next top magician and it ran for i think it was running during the summer as sort of a summer fill-in show um and people seemed to like it for a while i i I watched a couple of the episodes and some of the tricks were good some of them flopped but um yeah magic has been a is it, magic has been sort of the trending thing in the past year, but I don't think it's going to catch on all that much. I don't know. I think it's kind of played out. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, people will always be dazzled with magic to a certain degree. Um, I don't think it'll but die we don't get. I mean, much. we don't. They don't. They don't bring in big acts here. They don't bring in David Copperfield. They don't bring in Penn and Teller. Um, they don't bring in. You know, the, you seldom see. Um, you know, a big international magician coming in. They have one guy, I can't remember, what was he? He Wasn't he in Magic Boy? Um, the one guy who's kind of famous locally. Uh, I'm um, not sure, but China has a few celebrity magicians. Yeah. Uh, one of them was in My Kingdom, if you remember. Yeah. That's uh, a bad guy. So yeah, China has his own kind of, uh, his own set of, you know, celebrity magicians who go on variety show and, you know, with the, um, with the uh, New to New Year um, CCTV show coming up, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple more magic acts there. So yeah, I think China also is kind of, has a has kind of a new fascination with magic as well these last couple of years. So it's not only a recently trending thing. I think it's over the last couple of years on television. So in pop culture. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think the next trend will be? Uh, hardcore porn? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> I, it's the first thing I popped up. <laughs> yeah, popped up is probably not the right term you want to use when you oh, talk about uh hardcore <laughs> Corey. Kenneth says right on right on <laughs> that's yeah. more more content for uh, this weekend's ladies right and uh, more things to get me banned in china <laughs> as if you needed more i know totally. yeah the east is blue wait what all right so video pick of the week as i was talking to kevin in the sort of the pre-show um, I actually went out to the store to try and find uh, some new releases uh, to pick something for a video pick of the week. None of the stuff that I wanted to get was out yet. I did come across um, 
a, a DVD copy of Voltron, Fleet of Doom. Now, if you're an old guy like me, you'll remember Voltron as uh, the uh, giant uh, Japanese cartoon where you had uh, the 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 fleet of uh, lion-based robots that would form up into the big robot Ultron, R- Voltron. Or they also had another cartoon, which was um, sort of the uh, this uh, fleet of machines, the machine fleet that would form up into machine fleet Voltron. Uh, two different cartoon series, both titled Voltron. But uh, they kind of combine the two into a movie called Fleet of Doom, um, where the two Voltrons from the different universes end up coming together to work together. I was super excited about this uh, in my younger years when they did stuff. I I like crossover stuff like this. So when I saw this on the shelf, I snatched it up. I haven't watched it yet. Um, But I had planned to go out and uh, try and find some Hong Kong releases. Uh, But we've got a bunch of stuff coming out this week, but nothing's actually out. Is that right, Kevin? Um, th- there's stuff coming up at the, cause this, after this week, then next week, it's, uh, it's about five days of holidays for a new new year here in Hong Kong. And a lot of people spend those time at home. So yes, this week, at the end of the week, there'll be a lot of video releases. Um, and I guess we can go, go through them one by one. Right, Paul? We can, um, yeah. Time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we just start with the recommended stuff. Um, at least you can look, if, if Paul, you want to look at the notes, then we can go with that, that order. Sure. Um, the, the first film is uh, Watching Post Let's Go. Um, I saw a rough cut of it. You, you watched the film, right? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and it's one. It was actually a very much an overlooked film. Uh, it's not a particularly great film, but it's a fun action hero um, origin story starring uh, Juno Mac. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it on the show before, and I think it's a fun fun film. That's you know, it's a little violent for 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 the holidays, but um, Ste- Stephanie in the thong. Yeah, Stephanie in the thong. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, East meets West. The new Jeff Lau film, which yeah. also tons of fun. I think it's perfect for the new year, even though actually mainland netizens have, have voted it as the worst film of the year. Really? This year. Yes. I'm, you see, not I'm sure looking why. forward to seeing that one again. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that was one I was, I was actually hoping would be out today uh, in Blu-ray so I could pick it up. Yeah, in fact, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to do like a marathon at home of like, you know, cheery new year movies and East Beast West would be perfect for it. Uh, and I think it's a great, great pick for the, for the holidays. Um a little bit heavy, but Starry Starry Night, the Taiwanese film, uh, d- directed by Tom Lin. Uh, I also talked about this on the show before. Uh, kind of heavy, but nevertheless a great film. Uh, nominated for two awards at the Asian Film Awards, so so you have your award prestige there. Uh, good film. Uh, Gant's Perfect Answer. Uh, since the first film's already out on Hong Kong video, uh, DVD and Blu-ray, it's also coming out. The second film's not coming out, so if you want to have a marathon or something, you can now watch both films back to back. Although um, I think I don't think neither of us was were big fans of the films, right, Paul? Um, eh, you know, yeah, yeah. see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess now you can watch it. Hey, I liked the I liked the first one. The second one kind of disappointing. Okay, um, okay then. <laughs> Usually I have a great witty comeback, but I don't. But, okay, so. <laughs> Uh, Paul talked about mentioned this briefly before. Uh, White Vengeance, the Leon Lai, um, the 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 martial not martial arts but the historical uh, war strategy film uh, from Daniel Lee starring Leon Lai and uh, Zhang Han Yu, Anthony Wong. Not terrible, I'll say. Not it's, terrible, it's, right? It's no, it's no Red Cliff um, by any means. It's 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 right around with um, um, what was the one that Sung Hong Lei did earlier. And Francis uh, Warring M- States. Yeah, it it it's right around that area. Warring States uh, is pretty terrible for me. 
I didn't know. mind it that much. It was okay. It was it was it was not great, but com- compared with some of the other stuff we saw last year, it went up a few notches over the as time went on. Okay. Um, okay. White Vengeance, I think, on a, a technical level, um, you know, doesn't rely on too much CG. Um, probably a little bit, little bit better. Yeah. Okay, I, I look forward to seeing it. Um, maybe I'll be able to catch it this weekend. Um, it'll be on the Maya video on demand thing, and maybe it'll be on the on demand channel. So I hope to check it out. Um, f- another thing we talked about on the show, Magic to Win. Yeah, we I guess Woo-hoo. since there's the magic show, um, this movie I guess is good for our holidays because if you don't pay attention to it, it's mildly amusing. If you just leave it in the background <laughs> and you know and do things, and you know once in a while you can hear Raymond Wong does his thing, and there's you know special effects, and you pay attention to it for a little bit, and I guess it's amusing enough for holidays. But yeah, don't pay attention to it. Put it in background, which means get a VCD. Um, also, talk, did we talk about Hong Kong Ghost Stories on the show? I mean, yes. I didn't watch the film. Yeah. Okay, so Hong Kong Ghost Stories, not exactly the film you would watch during New Year's, you know, because ghosts and, you know, it's not it's not quite, you know, kosher, I guess, so to speak. Um, but some people like to, you know, like to defy tradition. So yeah. I guess Hong Kong Ghost Stories, that could be your choice. So it's a, you know, dual directorship. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a film that is the is the double the two part film directed by Wong Jing and Patrick Kong. Each each of them direct one segment, right? Yeah. Uh, is it actually scary, or is no. it more horror comedy? No, it's um, I mean, the 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 Wong Jing the Wong Jing segment tries to, you know, tries to use traditional scares, you know, sudden sudden jumps, loud loud things. The Patrick Kong one. Is just typical Patrick Kong. It's not, it's not really scary. It's just about a story about these people and uh, murder, basically. It's it, it's more like a typical Patrick Kong Steffi movie, except people start killing each other, <laughs> which is kind of what the audience wants to do. Which is what we needed, you know. Yeah, this kind of film. So yeah, it's not it's not as um, it, that one is is actually the better of the two. But it's not, yeah, it doesn't really feel like a troublesome night. It doesn't feel troublesome nightish enough, if I could use that as an adjective. <laughs> okay, so I guess that's something worth checking out, right, at least. Just for the Patrick Kong. Yeah, segment. yeah, the Patrick Kong one is, is actually, it, it's kind of decent in the way it's directed and the way it's told. Yeah, but I guess uh, if you're superstitious, it's not something you want to watch during New Year's, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, um... Uh, there's also, um, I guess, films that we didn't talk about on the show. Um, the Taiwanese film, The Killer Who Never Kills, starring Jam Shao. Uh, the film is financed with Hong Kong government money from the Hong Kong Film Fund. It is co-directed by Jimmy, co-directed by Jimmy Wan, who did um, Lover's Discourse, and produced by Eric Zhang's daughter. So it is partly a Hong Kong production. Uh, Christy Chow is also in this. I saw this at the Asian Film Festival here, and um, it's amusing. It's about a killer, <clears throat> a professional assassin who who is too kind to actually kill his target. So it ends up finding ways to to hide their deaths. And that's the whole thing. It's amusing, but... Personally, Why does not that seem familiar? It sound, wasn't there something like that in uh, Trivial Matters? Similar, but yeah, something like that. It was kind of a bit of a short story. One of the yeah. short stories in Trivial Matters. Um, yeah, similar premise, but um, I think... I think the, the weed smoking in Pound Chow's movie is a little more amusing than this mm-hmm. one. Um, but Chrissy Chow is good. Uh, Mr. Tree, the, the Chinese uh, indie film uh, starring Wan Bao Chang. Uh, Kozo said it's very weird. 
So I'm not sure. It won the New Talent Award at the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival this year. So maybe it's something worth checking out. It's only out on DVD, not Blu-ray, Sally. Uh, actually, all the films that I've mentioned thus far, except for Mr. Tree, are out on Blu-rays. Um, and the last film that's also not Blu-ray is the, if you're feeling nationalist uh, and, and still want to learn about Shanghai Revolution, uh, 72 Martyrs, directed by Derek Chu, the director of... Um, Road to Dawn and uh and Brothers and um Road Less Travel, I think most recently. Uh this film is about an uprising that sort of led to the beginning of the Xinhai Revolution. Um it's a really talky historical film, but it does have a lot of Hong Kong actors speaking their own Mandarin, which is kind of cool and strange at the same time. Yes, Luke Kai Chi, Irene Wan, uh Elaine Kong, uh Che Guan Ho and Eric Zhang. It's okay, kind of talky, but it's not a terrible film. Uh, if you're feeling, like I said, if you're feeling nationalist, patriotic, so to speak, that's something you could check out. Um, as for catalog stuff, I need to, I should tell some people, some of you here in Hong Kong, uh, Universe, the, the video distributor, is doing um, a very big discount on their films, including uh, One Night in Mongkok, 14 Blades, Invisible Target, um, Storm Riders, um, sort of their older catalog stuff, uh, Recycle, um, uh, which one is it? Uh, the, the, the Nick Chern undercover film, um, stuff like that. Black and white, I think it's called. I'm not sure. But yeah, they're all on sale and they're now, uh, if you can find them, they're now Hong Kong, 49 Hong Kong dollars, which is only about 6 or $7 US. So if you feel like you know newer or older films, I picked up Invisible Target and Storm Riders and One Night in Mongkok myself. So if you're in town, um, this deal, including you, Paul, this deal is something that you could look at. Yeah. And actually, um, I think... There, there are quite a few Hong Kong films on Blu-ray that are now like two for one hundred Hong yes. Kong dollars. Yes, um, Inclu- uh, actually, it include that includes the last the last two uh, TVB New Year movies. Yeah, I love yeah. Hong Kong House of Seventy Two Tenants, which um, I'll probably talk about one of those for the video pick uh, next week. Sure. Um, all right, that's good stuff. So, if you were going to pick one of these to recommend to go out and as a definite buy. What would be your pick? Depends on what you're in the mood for. I mean, if you're in a comedic New Year mood, then uh, East meets West. Uh, and if you're kind of in the mood for a heavier, a good film, just a good film, then definitely Starry Starry Night. Mm. Yeah, I think East meets West would be my pick uh, for, especially for Blu-ray. I think it's got some nice moments that will look nice. I'm hoping will look nice on Blu-ray. Um, and it's got some just some funny sort of intextual humor especially if you know who Kenny B is. Um, other... It's vintage Jeff Lau to me, I think. Yeah. It's Jeff Lau doing a superhero movie, and that's fun. Um, secondary pick, I'd say, if you want something a little bit violent, but also a little bit nostalgic, let's go. If you want something that's just nonsense, but also a little bit nostalgic, maybe Magic to Win, but not on Blu-ray. Oh, please, VCD, <laughs> please. <laughs> You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. So Kenneth in the chat room asked, um, says, speaking of Magic Boy, whatever happened to its director, Adam Wong? Really dug when Beckham at Ohm and Magic Boy. Uh, Adam Wong, a former classmate of mine, 
actually. Oh, really? I was yeah. looking it up. Uh, I looked him up and he hasn't done anything since Magic Board, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was in the MFA program I was in for like, I want to say one semester or, or the first uh, couple semesters, and then he took off to make movies. <laughs> he, he had enough of school. Left, yeah, and left us behind. He ended up only making a few movies. But uh, if you're out there, Adam Wong, uh come back. <laughs> we don't know where you are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Kevin? I think that's the show. I think and, that's the show. Any uh, last moment uh, thoughts before we sign off for the new year? Uh, oh, I just realized that Adam Wong's new movie is in this year's uh, Hong Kong Asian Finance Reform. So, yes, he has a movie in the making. What is that? I'm not sure, but the Hong Kong Asian Finance Forum is essentially um, directors bring their work um, to meet investors. Uh, and oh, I'm sorry, this is last year. So last year he bought actually he bought a movie. He brought his project produced by Teddy Robin to look for fin- to look for um, finance. Does it have a title? Uh, just Chinese title. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about English title. I'm not sure, but it never got. It hasn't been made, or it's getting made, uh, or nothing happened to it, or yeah, it hasn't. Haven't heard anything about that since. Um, Hmm. but he is up to things i guess all right well hopefully we'll see that in uh, in the year to come possibly uh i think that's gonna do it folks as always you can find us uh right here on our show website on Ustream, but you can also catch us on stitcher or itunes as always but we're on stitcher you can listen to us on your iphone your android phone your blackberry and your web os phones stitcher is smart radio for your phone find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Uh, I want to say a big thanks, uh, before we sign off for everything, to Rob Goers of Schnauzer Studio for our theme, Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com for keeping us out and about and watching films. Of course, Kevin for sitting through all of this stuff with me for the past uh, three years. And to you all the listeners, um, all our regulars in the chat room, Matthew... Uh, Kenneth, Gary Lau, everybody else who stops by and chats with us. Um, if you'd like to be part of the show, we would encourage you to do so. You can, uh, of course, catch us over on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to stop by and maybe leave us a review. That would help us out somehow. Um, you can also catch us on Twitter. The show title is twitter.com slash east screen and uh, or excuse me, slash concast. Um, the email is uh, eastscreen at gmail.com. And, of course, you can stop by over at concast.com, and you can leave us some comments there. Or you can actually email us uh, you know, an audio file, and we might just play it here on the show. Of course, you can follow K-Man and all the stuff that he does over at uh, twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. What else are you going to be up to before the new year officially begins? You got any uh, reviews or any stuff you're going to be doing on the web people can look for? Um, I do want to be finished uh, writing my um, my ma- I love that's not blind review for lovehkfilm.com. Um, hopefully, maybe this week or during the holidays. Um, this weekend, I will be reviewing Puss in Boots. I have to be very careful when I say that. <laughs> I don't want to go too fast and say something, you know. <laughs> so uh, a vagina wearing boots. I don't want to talk what? about that. <laughs> what, 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 what? Anyway, uh, yeah. So poos in boots. Are That's you auditioning be... for Kenneth's show? Is that what you're trying to do? No, no, no. <laughs> but I will say that I got a Donkey Kong punch, uh, Donkey Donkey Punch joke today that Kozo apparently didn't get. That's all. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> 
Anyway, so that's so um I will be reviewing Puss in Boots uh this weekend and hopefully it'll be online after vac- the vacation on um www.ypmovies.com.hk and if you're interested in my review for um my reviews for uh Girl with Dragon Tattoo is probably still on that site um so if you want to look back uh check it out you can see it there um yeah that's otherwise I'll be on Twitter because all New Year's um and maybe the blog as well all right that sounds excellent we will be back next time with show 96 our chinese new year episode or at least part one of our chinese new year episode where we currently have scheduled to look at the um new film all's well ends well 2012 and i love hong kong 2012 and the muppets which i'm super excited to see even though it's already been out in the states i think it was out in the states around uh thanksgiving uh but we're supposed to be getting that here um so we'll look at those three films next week and then the remaining holiday chinese new year film releases the following week all of that and much more on our next show until then this is east screen west screen wishing you good viewing happy chinese new year and we will see you next week yeah, in advance and see you everyone see 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 you all next time Thank you.